1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the We Are podcast in the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. This is your host Jared Pruger, as always, but now I am joined with my co-host Corey Geiger. Corey, let's tell our lovely listeners what we're all about.
0: Jared, uh, th- this is going to be a lot of fun. We're going to have fun with this. We're going to expand the Penn State coverage of DK Pittsburgh Sports. Uh, I- I'm coming on to. to add some more stories you've been doing a great job and here's one thing that I'm really excited about okay uh, dk wrote a, a column about how we're going to expand the coverage i wrote a column this week about you know some of the coverage ideas and man i was blown away jared we had more than 150 comments on the site from people just really excited about the expanded coverage because you and i both know the penn state fan base is out there that they want coverage. And I am I'm thrilled that we're able to do this on DK Pittsburgh sports, provide more stories, provide more content, story-wise podcast videos. This is going to be a lot of fun, man.
1: Right. And one of the most, more important things as it relates to me, obviously I didn't get the column treatment um, writing or being posted about. Um, I got promoted recently to full time. So my hats are many, um, which is kind of the way that I like things. As Corey can attest, I'm a jack of all <laughs> trades and a master of absolutely zero.
0: Man, you, you don't sleep. Dude, Jared <laughs> I, works like 20. I told my kid the other day, Jared works 25 hours a day. He actually owes a, an hour at the end of the day because you're doing so many things.
1: That's right. And I get it from, from DK, actually, the lack of sleep. But I was promoted to full time, so I wasn't going to be able to give my time and attention to Penn State that it deserved so we bring on Corey uh, to supplement our coverage and to make it that much better and obviously the reception has been pretty solid so far uh, we can't wait to keep growing on it we have some great coverage plans obviously Corey and I are going to be together for this we're going to be together for the we are podcast plus video as well but that's enough about us let's get to why we're here Penn State season is less than a week away they're heading to Madison Wisconsin Saturday, they had their tune-up scrimmage at Beaver Stadium. Of note, Sean Clifford, the starting quarterback, is the biggest story heading into Madison. What Sean Clifford are we going to get? Corey, what do you think? What, 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 do, you, what do you think that we're going to get out of Sean Clifford uh, this season?
0: You know, here's what a lot of people in sports media are afraid to say, Jared. Everybody's got to have a hot take. They're going to make a bold prediction. This time. Here's the answer to your question. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I don't know what we're going to see from Sean Clifford. Anybody that tells you they know what we're going to see from Sean Clifford, I would just challenge you to explain why. If you think he's going to be – well, what, what do you base that on? Uh, if you think he's going to – be Mason Rudolph when Mason Rudolph was at Oklahoma State throwing for 40, 4,900 yards just because he's in Mike Yersage's system. I would contend, Jared, that that's possible, and I know Penn State fans out there hope to see that, and maybe we will. It would be spectacular. I'd love to see it, man. I love offense. I want to see this Penn State team come up and down and score 50 points every week. But I, I can't honestly sit here and tell you, after what we've seen from an average college quarterback the past two years, which is what Sean Clifford has been. He's been average. Pro Football Focus rated him the number 88 quarterback in the country. 88. I mean, you want to talk about a giant slap in the face. I don't think he's number 88. But statistically, the past couple years, he's been number 30 or 40. So, look, if Sean Clifford plays great, this can be a terrific Penn State season. If Sean Clifford plays terrible or gets hurt, this season could spiral out of control. I'll say this to you, Jared. I'll see what you think about this. I think Sean Clifford is the single most important player to his team in the entire country. He's not the best player, but in, in terms of one guy, because of the big drop-off of the quarterback spot, I think he's the most important player to his team in college football.
1: No, and I agree with Eric, Corey, because as, the, as Sean Clifford goes, the offense goes. I mean, you saw that last year. 0-5, oh, Sean Clifford was benched for a guy that ran the ball 17 times in a single game in Will Levis. Now, Will Levis is, of course, the starter at Kentucky. So, you know, sometimes moving on to greener pastures is is a good thing, obviously. The offense goes as Sean Clifford goes. If Sean Clifford is on, the offense is going to be clicking. He's going to be hitting Jahan Dotson, Parker Washington, uh, even Noah Kane out of the backfield that's what Penn state needs. They need to keep the ball moving and honestly get the ball out of Sean Clifford's hands to limit the mistakes as much as they can. But this is a guy that, you know, in 2019 was a decent game manager. He did everything that he needed to do. And it led to an 11 win season. It's just one of those situations that, you know, Hey, what, what really are you going to get out of Sean Clifford? And you're right. You don't know. And obviously that's not the hottest take. That's probably a lukewarm taste take, maybe even um, some cold pizza the morning after take, but it's the truth because we don't know what we're going to get out of Sean Clifford. We're going to get 2019 Sean Clifford or 2020 first half Sean Clifford that should not have been on a football field or 2020 second half where it's like, okay, well, this is a little bit more competent. So there are just so many different options that we can get out of Sean Clifford, that it's a it's almost like a Doctor Jekyll, Mister Hyde kind of deal. So it's very tough to kind of sit here and predict because we don't know what he's learned and what he's done under the tutelage of Mike Yursich yet. Yeah, the spring practice showed us that. Hey, great, he can, and he didn't look all that great in the spring either. So, listen, we don't know what we're gonna get, and who's to say what's gonna happen in Madison next weekend?
0: If he is really good, and that means getting rid of the ball quickly, going to that first read, that's going to be key. Because uh, the offensive line plays a component here too, and we'll talk about that. But, I mean, they, they've got to protect him much better than they did last year. Last year, Sean Clifford was running for his life uh, a lot of times. If they can protect him and they can give him a few seconds to let John Dodson and Parker Washington get 30 to 40 yards downfield, Mike Yersich is going to have Sean Clifford throw the ball. Mike Yersich wants to spread the field. I cannot overstate how much I loved seeing what Joe Moorhead did with Trace McSorley in 2016, uh, letting him throw the ball 40, 50 yards down the field. Now, he had Chris Godwin to go up and catch everything. Uh, I think Jahan Dawson can be like that too. But to do that, you got to have time. You got to have three or four seconds to let that play develop downfield. So if Sean Clifford can do that and throw an accurate deep ball, And on other plays, he can hit that first hot read, you know, like Baylor does, like Oklahoma State did. Uh, There's there's a lot of optimism and reason to believe that Sean Clifford could put up. And I mean huge numbers, Jared. The Penn State career – or single season record for passing yards is 3,600 yards by Trace McSorley. Sean Clifford could blow by that number if Penn State's able to play every game and and he plays well.
1: No. And, and I think, I think that's very possible. Like I said, we just don't know what we're going to get out of, uh, out of Clifford and your sitch, but they have the playmakers. This team, I think, in my opinion, is eerily rep, uh, eerily kind of relates to the 2016 team. You got low, you're loaded at receiver. Like that team was, you've got a pretty good running back. Now, listen, Noah Kane and Kevon Lee are not Saquon Barkley and Miles Sanders by any means or stretch of the imagination. I think maybe, Depth-wise, they are a little deeper at the tight end position with Brenton Strange and Theo Johnson. But, you know, what are we going to get out of the offensive line? What's going to happen? What what is, you know, they finally get a year of pure training under Phil Troutwine, where I think that's definitely an upgrade over Matt Limegrover, who was in the position before. But we just don't know what we're going to get until kickoff um, at 12 o'clock in Madison. But... We're gonna talk more about what's coming after the game against Wisconsin and including the game of Wisconsin here after we take a short break and listen to a couple ads. Welcome back to the We Are Podcast and the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. I'm here with my co-host, Corey Geiger. This is Jared Prugar, as always. We thank you for tuning in once again. Corey, big game on on Saturday, right? It's finally game week for college football. There's some games this weekend even. What are your expectations for Penn State and Penn State's schedule moving forward?
0: The schedule is just, is just brutal. I've said this really for a while now, uh, and I'm, I'm pretty optimistic about this Penn State team. We talked earlier about Mike Yarsic in the offense. I, I'll go ahead and tell you, I've picked Penn State to go nine and three. I think they're going to score a lot of points. And, Jared, if they were playing Wisconsin in week three, I would probably pick Penn State to win the game. If they were playing Penn State or Wisconsin at Beaver Stadium, I definitely would pick Penn State to win the game. Uh, I have too many questions to pick Penn State to win the opener at Wisconsin. I, I, this is going to be a Badgers team. You know what you're going to get. They're going to run the ball and run the ball and run the ball and run the ball. and they, I do have a good young quarterback with a lot of potential in Graham Mertz, but it's an 11 a.m. local kickoff. Penn State typically does not tackle well early in seasons. Penn State typically does not tackle well in early starts. The single biggest question mark on the team, in my opinion, is the defensive line. Well, that's not—you don't want that question mark when you're going up and playing Wisconsin. So, to me, I—I I wish we had some some more answers. And by week three, I would probably feel a lot more confident in picking a Penn State. Uh, but I am picking Wisconsin to win this game. I think I went like 34-26 or something like that, just because I—I I just don't know that Sean Clifford is going to be fully clicking on all cylinders in this offense right now. Remember in 2016. That Joe Moorhead offense took a while to really get going. The second half at Pitt, they got going because they were in comeback mode, but it wasn't really till Minnesota. Uh, and then, uh, you know, that th- they finally got some things figured out. In the second half, they were phenomenal of that season. But I think it's going to take a few weeks for this offense to really start to click.
1: No, and I agree here. I mean, like you said, it does take a while to start clicking early in the season. You're not tackling. Now, you mentioned it's 11 and it's an 11 a.m. kick local time there. Penn State, like we mentioned in the first segment, is going is hosted a practice Saturday um, at 12 a or at 11 a.m. at Beaver Stadium to kind of simulate that game and, and simulate everything. So that I don't know whether that's going to be good, bad or indifferent. It can't really, I don't really think it's going to hurt as long as they stay healthy, but you just don't know. There are just so many variables right now that we just don't know. And listen, the last thing you want to do is play, be playing, come from behind football against a team that likes to run the ball and run it right down your throat, which is exactly Wisconsin's way to play for as long as, you know, the football has been made of pigskin. So you know what? What are you going to get it from a defensive front that we really have zero zero answers about? We talk about Sean Clifford in the first segment and how yeah, there's at least a kind of a barometer on Sean Clifford. Is he going to be horrible or is he going to be great? There's no really in between. But with the with the defensive line, we just have no idea. You know, you have PJ um coming in. You lose Adisa Isaac early on. You've got a linebacker that's now converted defensive end and Jesse Lucetta you just got so many different variables that we really just have no idea what's going to happen next.
0: Yeah, those are all good points, and, and you don't want to have those questions when you're facing Wisconsin. And, and let's backtrack here for a minute, because what we do in sports, Jared, is this. We look at our team, and we analyze our team, and all of our team's strengths and weaknesses and all these things, and we put our team in a bubble, and we say Penn State's going to do this for this reason and that reason and that reason and that reason. And that reason. Uh, there is another team. And Wisconsin's pretty good. Wisconsin's number 12. Wisconsin has hopes of winning the Big Ten West. Wisconsin is a terrific program, not an elite program. There are only a handful of those in college football. But Wisconsin is probably right there in that next tier, along with Penn State in that next tier. So Wisconsin, and you're going out to Camp Randall, which is going to be jam-packed. And that's just the start of the schedule, Jared. So when we take a look at the, the entire season, I mean, I got nine and three. Jared, you want to go ahead and, and give your record prediction and, and we can kind of hash that out.
1: We did, we talked about records before on, on your Sports Central show that airs um, in Altoona. And I said 11 and two, but I can see it nine and three as well. But I'm going to stick with 11 and two. Obviously. Ten and two, or ten and two. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm jumping ahead myself. Thinking about the bowl game already.
0: Math is hard. Are you a math teacher?
1: (laughs) Not, no, not anymore. I did that last year virtually, and (laughs) it it ruined me. Um, Now I don't even know what uh, what a number is. Um, But yeah, you're right, and it doesn't get any easier. Um, You know, Ball State is no slouch either. They're a very good, a very powerful MAC football team. So it doesn't get any easier the next week.
0: Yeah, you talk about Ball State, Auburn in the wideout game, uh, Indiana, I happen to think they're going to they're gonna take it to Indiana. I think that's a revenge game for Penn State. But then Iowa, a trip to Iowa. Look, I've got nine and three, and we're going to you know, combine these two topics here from the first segment in this one. If Sean Clifford plays very well, nine and three, 10 and two are on the table. If Sean Clifford does not play well or gets hurt, six and six is on the table, seriously. Five, five and seven could be on the ten. Let's not forget Penn State started 0-5 last year. Let's not forget that Maryland destroyed Penn State last year. Yes, this is a different year, different circumstances, more confidence coming into this year uh, you know, than they had, you know, certainly at the middle of last year. This has a chance to be a really good team, but that just goes to show how much emphasis there is on the quarterback and Sean Clifford's play because th- this schedule is brutal, man. I, when I was predicting – I wrote something – for uh, the DK Pittsburgh sports site, Jared, about even Michigan State at the end. You know, that's a tricky game. You're going to East Lansing, and most Penn State fans will say, ah, they'll beat Michigan State. Hey, really? Sparty? Sparty can sneak up on Penn State. They do it uh, occasionally. You got Michigan at home. This schedule is just really, really difficult. And so, like I said, we can analyze and overanalyze Penn State, you know, up and down. These teams that they're playing are really, really good, a whole bunch of them. And that quarterback question mark for me just leads a whole lot of things that, that just make you wonder how this season is going to play out.
1: Now, you mentioned that embarrassing loss to Maryland, and Penn State had some embarrassing losses uh, throughout the first five weeks of the season last year. Obviously, I think, like you said, they come out hot against Indiana. Um, but, you know, you're looking at Maryland and Nebraska, Maryland, they boat raced. The Lions Lions. it is ugly same thing you know it wasn't necessarily a boat race at Nebraska but that was a game that set the game of football back probably at least 20 years just in the horrid play and then obviously you lose to Ohio State and you lose at Iowa or you lose at home against Iowa which very rarely happens and you lose by 20 points you know that right there I thought last season was was really rock bottom, you know, the Maryland loss is the Maryland loss. It's brutal. Um, It's embarrassing, but you're right. You know, but also at the same time, how much of that is going to fuel this team this season, right? How many times do we talk about the Indiana game? Was he in? Was he not in? Why did, you know, Devin Ford, why did he score in that instance? You know, you lose your star running back at the first play of the game or first drive of the game. So there's just so many different ver- there's so many things that happened last year, um, but do they come out hungry? Do they come out you know ready for revenge? Not necessarily. We're gonna put a revenge tour T-shirt together like Michigan did a couple years ago. But is this team gonna come out hungry and ready to avenge some of those poor losses last season?
0: I, I do think so. I, I think that will be part of it. Keep in mind you're trying to motivate 18 to 22 year old kids. In some cases, you know, 23. These guys coming back for extra years with the with the eligibility revenge is a a a fantastic motivator and james franklin i think is an excellent motivator i think that will be part of uh what he's going to sell to these young men you started zero and five you know everybody uh, looked down on you last year now let's come out this year get off to a good start and and show them how much better you can be and again this is part of the schedule jared if they were opening up against Ball State or Kent State or Akron or, or you know, Northern Illinois, I, I would feel different. I would feel better because uh, then you go to you, – you at least know a little bit about what you have. But you go to Wisconsin in week one not fully knowing what you've got. That's a tone-setting kind of game. Now, personally, I think I, – I actually think there's a chance Penn State could lose that game pretty big. I know Penn State fans don't want to hear that. But the way Wisconsin runs the ball, if they get up on you and you can't stop the run, they're just going to command that clock. And And I've seen Wisconsin do that to a lot of people early on. But even if that happens, even if Penn State loses by 14, 17 points or whatever, I still think they're going to be okay. I think they're going to bounce back. Auburn, I don't think, is all that great.
1: There's New coach the, at Auburn, too.
0: Correct. There's the revenge factor against Indiana. So I think even if they lose to Wisconsin and lose you know, going away uh, – This team can still be okay. Last year when they lost to to Indiana, Jared, especially in that crazy fashion, because I do not believe Michael Penick scored on that, too. I just do not believe that. I I think that was such a tremendous uh, blow uh, and letdown to the kids in in that program, dealing with COVID and everything else.
1: No, and that's a really good point, too, because, you know, at that time, they had just lost Journey Brown. They had just lost – at that point – they didn't know what the situation with Noah Kane was going to be. And then you have that devastating blow and it's just, it was just inexplicable the way that happened. And it's funny, you know, you and I rode out to Indiana together and, and I haven't told this story very much uh, um, to many people, but I left, we left um, Altoona after our district six championship game uh, where Altoona beat state college, uh, I, for those of you that don't know, I coach high school football for, for Altoona. And we left immediately after that game. I came, picked you up. We went out there, got a hotel. We had our hotel room, went to the game. And we were just dumbfounded um, on the way, you know, coming back. Um, what was it? There was no breakfast at Wendy's. Is that correct? <laughs> I
0: think it was McDonald's. But hey, the, Jared's talking about the glamorous life of sports riders leaving at 11 o'clock at night driving eight hours overnight. Did, did we get a hotel somewhere, like a couple hours? What, what was it? Didn't we, didn't we find some little tiny place just to sleep for four hours?
1: I No, th- I'm pretty sure we stayed at the actual hotel. It just took a long time to get oh, there. Oh, so we
0: drove all the way there. That's right. Yes. Was, man, that was brutal. And again, yeah, as you mentioned, hey, I'm a big breakfast person. I got to have my breakfast. So we wake up. That's right. We wake up and we've got to drive the last little bit to uh, to the stadium. And I got to get, get some eggs. I got to get an egg sandwich or something. So we went, to, we went to McDonald's. There was no breakfast because of COVID. I was beside myself. So at 10 o'clock in the morning, I had a freaking Whopper from, from, from Burger King. And that's like the last thing I ate for about 12 hours that day because they didn't have any food in the press. While. Oh, man. Hey, you know what, Jared? That was a miserable day for Penn State with the way that game came out. That was a miserable day for Corey Geiger. I was, I was pretty darn miserable all day because I didn't have my breakfast
1: it was miserable for me too. It was a very long night, very good night for myself and for our program in Altoona, obviously. Um, but yeah, that uh, this, there's not much glamor in the life of uh, being a sports <laughs> journalist. We obviously terrible breakfast. If we even get breakfast overnight travel, it's, It's a, it surely is a glamorous life, but we're going to take another quick break and we'll get you on the flip side here for this third and final segment of the, we are podcasts on the DK Pittsburgh sports podcasting network. Welcome back to the final segment of the We Are Podcast and the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. I am Jared Prugar. He is Corey Geiger. Corey, we've made it to the home stretch in the first podcast together, and I didn't even ask you who you thought Penn State was going to lose to in the last segment other than um, other than Wisconsin.
0: Yeah, Wisconsin, Iowa, Ohio State. I got the, the three losses on the road uh that's my nine and three record um i'm kind of speculating here a little bit i I think they're going to be out for revenge against indiana i think they're going to be better than michigan because i just don't really trust jim harbaugh um but uh, again nine and three quality bowl game i've seen them predicted for the projected for the citrus bowl which would be a good bowl game i I think it'd be pretty good jared you got them at 10 and two who you got them losing to I think
1: Ohio state is, uh, is a given. I do think that they're going to get past Wisconsin. I also don't trust Sean Clifford at Kinnick stadium um, in Iowa city. I just, I just can't see that happening. Um, You know, it is what it is, but at the same time, what are, what are you going to get out of Sean Clifford there? That's a hostile environment. Um, But at the same time, things could be different uh, by the time they play in October. So, you know, they're at least going to have some momentum, hopefully, going into the actual conference slate, starting with the conference game. As we learned last year, it's no, no easy task. So I'm very interested to see how he responds and how he reacts at Iowa because if things go astray early, it could get ugly quick.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. You mentioned Iowa. I'd like to think that some of the folks listening to the podcast will travel. We, we run into a lot of Penn State fans who travel – And I just want to throw this out because the field of dreams game for major league baseball was, was uh, held recently. Um, I, I will not be traveling to Iowa. I don't think you are either, Jared. I was going to take my kids out to the field of dreams uh, that I went a few years ago by myself. So if you're, if you're a Penn state fan and you're traveling out to Iowa this year, do yourself a favor, go to Dyersville, Iowa. It's a couple hours away from Iowa city. Go see the field of dreams. I know I'm going off on a tangent here a little bit, but again, so many Penn State fans travel I've always enjoyed running into folks at the airport getting to the stadium and say hey you you're 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 that guy on that TV show or that radio show back in Pennsylvania and they recognize you and it's pretty cool so if you're going to Iowa later on head to the field of dreams that that is something that uh, you should try, you know, cross off your bucket list
1: no and that's I think that's one of the cooler things about the Big Ten too is you know you look at, some of the places that you can go, obviously Ann Arbor, I think is a great college town. The big house is one of my favorite architectural stadiums. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and obviously I have not been to Iowa to see the Kinnick wave or the field of dreams yet, but you know, those are just some incredible experiences. Same thing in Madison and camp Randall and, and, and jump around in it. And it, there are just so many different traditions. I think that's what makes college football great, but at the same time, college football is changing and yeah. changing in an incredible way, um, and it and I don't know if it's good or bad to be perfectly honest with you, but it the times they are changing and they're changing really quickly.
0: That's what you call a professional broadcast segue, right there, my man. You you took my Iowa comments and you transitioned smoothly into the the alliance of uh, uh, of college football. That was that was pretty impressive. You should take a bow on that, man.
1: All right, listen, if I, if that, listen, I had a rough day at school. Um, we were recording this here uh, late in the week, but I had a rough day at school today. I, I don't think I can bow and get back up.
0: Hey, look, here's the thing. Uh, we'll have a good bit uh, at DK Pittsburgh Sports about the alliance and the changing a- aspects of college football. It's, it's going to be seismic here in the coming years. But this alliance, uh, to me, um, is nonsense, to be perfectly honest with you. It sounds good in theory. It sounds good in theory, Jared, if I say to you, hey, why don't me and you and a few of your friends, we'll go out and we'll just eat a uh, $10,000 worth of steak at a restaurant, but we don't have any way to pay for it.
1: I thought you know? for sure, Corey, you were going to say $10,000 worth of McDonald's breakfast uh, in the no, middle of Indiana. Pull.
0: That's a good pull. But we don't, have any way to, we don't have any way to pay for it. We're just going to go do it. Hey, I'll, I'll shake your hand on it and say, hey, we'll agree to it. I'll give you a wink, wink. You know, that's what the ACC and the Big Ten and the Pac-12 are doing. They're saying, hey, we're going to form this quote-unquote historic alliance. We're going to have a gentleman's agreement. There's nothing legal or bonding to it in any way. And, And while it sounds good in theory, I just don't think, unless you have things in writing, unless you have legitimate agreements, because, Jared, hey, we're talking billions with a B as in boy, not millions, not thousands we're talking billions of dollars at stake. And if you're going to enter some alliance with two other conferences, you'd better damn well have some agreements in place to protect yourself and that they can protect themselves. Because again, I'd like for Penn State to play Pitt and Clemson and USC and Stanford and some of these schools from these other leagues. But at the end of the day, this is all talk right now. And until, until they come to some type of uh, of an agreement where they're putting pen to paper and saying, we're going to do this contractually. I, I'm going to, I'm really just going to kind of turn a blind eye to this Alliance, to be honest with you.
1: No. And, and I think that's a, an interesting way to look at it. Um, but like, it, it, what is the value, right? You said you you want to see Pet, a Pet, Penn state play in Penn state play Clemson and West Virginia and, and teams like that. You don't want to see them play Villanova. Come on, man. That's great for the Commonwealth, well,
0: right? Hey, uh, the, it's
1: great for Villanova's pockets.
0: If we had four more hours on the podcast, we could get it. Because here's the thing. James Franklin doesn't want to play these big teams. Not, nope. in, a four, not in a four-team playoff. In a four, and this is where things are going to be changing with these seismic changes you, you mentioned earlier. In a four-team nope. playoff, your goal is to have the best season you can to get into a playoff. And James Franklin has said point blank. It doesn't matter who you beat in the non-conference or who you play. If Penn State comes out of the Big Ten East with, uh, with a one loss, they're probably going to have a really, really good chance to be in a four-team play. So why risk it playing these really tough teams? Now, the difference, Jared, a 12-team playoff, mm-hmm. now that's a completely different ballgame. You can lose a couple times. You can lose to somebody in the non-conference. You can lose to Ohio State and still get into a playoff. So they've got to figure that all out as well.
1: Right, and I think what's – even before we get to the alliances, which is great, great. could Penn Penn State play USC or Oregon in the Pac-12? Great. Hopefully, we're both still around to go on those trips. But what I'm more interested about is the conference realignment because obviously you have Texas and Oklahoma, and God knows who joining the SEC. I think, honestly, the school – I think St. Rose just joined the SEC too, Uh, the Catholic school down the street from my house. Um, But I'm excited to see what happens – with teams joining the big 10, because I think they have an excellent opportunity um, to get Iowa state and Kansas and not just for football. I mean, Iowa state football is, is the cyclones have, have really turned it on uh, the last, last few years. Kansas football is, is the Rutgers of the big 12 uh, as far as that goes, but I'm more interested in Kansas for reasons other than football. And the same thing with Iowa state, Iowa State, it's a wrestling program for Kansas, it would be basketball.
0: Well, now we get to the point where we get to disagree because I love this. There's, there's too much agreement on these podcasts and sports talk shows because, see, I'll just flat out tell you, and Jared's a good friend of mine, so he knows where I'm coming. I just think you're wrong there because Iowa State, Kansas, they'll add very little to the Big Ten. Now, I, I'm a huge college basketball fan, so I know where you're coming from in spirit. I'd love to see Kansas in the Big Ten for basketball, but their football program is a train wreck. It's absolutely embarrassing, and it wouldn't add anything to the Big Ten. And Iowa State, while it would be – I mean, they have a good football program and they've had a good basketball program for the most part. Uh, that would be fun to see. I think they'd be fun games. What, is, what this all comes down to is money. And when the, when the SEC adds Oklahoma and Texas, you're talking about two of the most prestigious and, and most um, uh, powerful and high-priced college football programs in the country. I think, Jared, the Big Ten needs to stand completely pat. I think they need to add no one, no one, unless Notre Dame is part of the mix. If they can get Notre Dame, and that's a completely different and and very, very, very difficult situation. If they can get Notre Dame, then okay, you go ahead with that. But even Syracuse, Pitt, which I would love to see in the Big Ten, I don't think that does anything for the Big Ten financially. Penn State's going to get $54 million from the Big Ten for its TV package. If you go add some of these other schools, I just don't know that they bring anything to your league. And then, then it's going to hurt the amount of money that the rest of the programs are already getting.
1: No. And I think that's a really good point too. I mean, there's so many different things that can happen, right? I mean, I've seen, you know, the ACC broken down where honestly, one division is just straight up old retro biggies teams. Mm -hmm. Um, The big 10, as a whole is good. Now, now you add a cupcake in like Kansas and you have one more, you know, conference victory and you blow them out and maybe it looks good to, to the voters and to whoever gives a crap about, you know, whether Penn state beat Kansas football. I mean, Kansas football is just, I don't know that there's a program in more disarray, even at Baylor's worst. I don't think they were that as bad as what, uh, what Kansas football is going through right now. But yeah, I mean, the money all the almighty dollar is what controls everything in college athletics, you know, and, and that's the thing, too, with these football programs. A lot of these programs make enough money to subsidize the rest of the uh, athletic department. And when that happens, man, there's just so much almost not almost there is way too much money involved in college athletics. And I think that's something, you know, you mentioned Notre Dame. Notre Dame has its own TV deal with NBC Sports and, you know, that you're. You're going to have to subscribe to watch an NBC game or um, not NBC, but Notre Dame games this fall, which I think is crazy, but that's, I think the way that the market is heading, you know, why not subscribe to say ESPN had a college game day channel and you get all these football games for, for whatever per week or per month or, or whatever. And I think, you know, that's the way that college football and that market is heading, but you know, at the same time, you know, it's not just always about football. And I think that's something that we're going to get into on on the site as well. We're not just covering college football anymore. We're going to be all-encompassing and especially that's where where your niche and your specialty with college basketball and and even us, you know, getting to, to the wrestling aspect of it and, and maybe even some more sports down the road uh, for DK Pittsburgh Sports.
0: Yeah, I've, had, I've seen some comments already on, on the stories on the side Jared. People interested in the basketball coverage. People interested in the wrestling coverage because the wrestling program is a powerhouse. and I've even had some questions about hockey. We'll try to do some things with Penn State Hockey because there are fans out there Interested in that. So that's the plan at this point. Uh, to get back to your point, I've covered Penn State for nearly 20 years. And some of the listeners out there, this may, uh, you, you may agree with this, this may be something you can relate to. A lot of Penn State fans, Jared, would rather see Penn State in the ACC. They, they just would. There are uh, more geographical uh, reasons, maybe some, some longtime rivals to be in the ACC. I've talked to many fans over the years. You run polls on social media. Hey, which confer- conference would you rather see Penn State in? Inevitably, you're going to see the ACC get a lot of support and a lot of votes from Penn State fans in that. The difference is the money. The difference is the money. The Big Ten paid out last year $54 million. The ACC paid out $37 million. And so Penn State's going to be in the Big Ten. Uh, short of the SEC forming its own 32-league NFL college system or something, which, you know, hey, could that happen down the road? I don't know, maybe. But Penn State would be part of that. Short of that, Penn State's going to be in the Big Ten. And that's where the money is. Penn State's got to pay for a lot of other programs. And I, I, me personally, I, I would not mind seeing Penn State in the ACC. There'd be some pretty cool matchups there. But there's just no way the school can walk away from the amount of money that the Big Ten offers.
1: No, that's a really good point, too. But at the same time, you know, I'm a Carolina basketball fan. Um, As I'm sure you know, I know you're a big Syracuse basketball fan. Um, You know, when we're not writing about the games, we do like to kind of watch basketball and watch games and and be fans, you know, rather than just write about it. We get to be just like you, the listeners. And I'm a big Carolina basketball fan. I think that would be great. I would love to see Carolina come to Penn State. Um, and hey, you know, well,
0: Jared, it'd be better for them basketball wise in the ACC. The big 10 is really good top to bottom. The well, ACC is usually really good at the top, but the bottom of the ACC generally, there's a big drop off. I think Penn state could be more in the middle of the pack in the ACC in basketball than they could in the big 10.
1: Well, and I think it's uh, important to note what, what Micah Shrewsbury is doing. I think this is the most excitement, you know, around the Penn state basketball program, and, and quite some time. And, and Jim Ferry did a great job keeping this program together uh, last season after Pat chambers got fired. And what was one of the more bizarre scenarios and situations I've seen in college athletics, but I think, you know, there's a lot of excitement in there and I'm, I'm very interested to see the product that they put on the court because, you know, this is a team that two years ago, if it wasn't for COVID COVID, I really think they could have made a really deep run in the, in the NCAA tournament.
0: You know, that's a sweet 16 team with Lamar Stevens. I, I do agree with that. But I'm, I am glad you brought all, all this up. Uh, it's football season now, but uh, as long as I'm a DK Pittsburgh sports, we're going to cover college basketball. And hopefully Micah Shrewsbury can get it going there. We know Kale Sanderson's got it going there from a wrestling standpoint. And that's the power of the Penn State fan base. Is obviously, football you know, is, is the king. It's the breadwinner. But uh, when Penn State basketball is good, Jared, when they're good, there are fans. There are passionate fans. Now there might not be an enormous number of passionate fans, but there are passionate fans and there certainly are passionate fans for wrestling.
1: Right. And listen, I've been at the Bryce Jordan Center when it when Penn State's been good. I for both sports. And that place is electric. Yep. It is one of the best places, I think, to watch a game when it's when things are good. Obviously there hasn't been a lot of good, you know, in the Penn State basketball program dating back to a lot of places, but it's just one of those situations where, man, the Bryce Jordan center is a great place to watch a basketball game when things are going well. And I, and I'm very interested packed. to see what happens.
0: Yeah. When it's packed, it's not too bad. When there's 6,000 people there and it looks mostly empty uh, it, 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 it can create a, a tougher environment, but here's the thing. Um, Micah Shrewsbury's coming in. He got a commit from Jim, Jamil Brown, who I'm going to write about that. Uh, on the side as well. Uh, Micah Shrewsbury's going out and he's trying. He's taking his shot with these big time recruits. Getting one in Jameel Brown was big. If he could get another one, that would be huge. At least he's trying. We'll, and we'll see what he can do with the program. It's a challenge. There's no question it's a challenge.
1: Right. And can he do it? Uh, we're going to find out. You know, he's a first time head coach. See what happens. Um, but, you know, Penn State Athletics is, is in a really good position. I think they've got a lot of great coaches up there. Um, and I'm excited to see really where this season takes them. Now that kind of things are semi back to normal as far as as far as getting back to fans being in the stands and and things like that. So it's going to be really interesting. But, you know, until then, it's all football. And it's and I'm very interested to see how things play out for this week leading up to uh, the Wisconsin game on Saturday.
0: Yeah, this will be a good season. I've got them 9 and 3, you've got them 10 and 2. I do think they lose to Wisconsin. You've got them beating Wisconsin. What what's your score? I, I think I went 34-26 Wisconsin. Do you got a score prediction?
1: I got 36-30. 36
0: a high scoring game, yeah, that'd be fun to watch. But no matter what, I think we're both in agreement. because uh, uh, you know, I, I picked them lose even if they do lose. I still think that this team will bounce back, handle ball state in week 2 and and as long as Sean Cl- look, It's an if, it's the big if he's the most important player to his team in the entire country. If he plays well, Penn State can have a big season. If he does not play well, uh, there's a big drop off from him to take one Roberson. So this could be a rough fall.
1: No. And guess what fans and and loyal listeners to the, we are podcast. We're going to get you through this season, step-by-step and Corey and I are going to be doing it together. So we're excited for what's to come for For our Penn State coverage on the DK Pittsburgh Sports, um, just the website itself and on the podcast network. Um, But, you know, Corey, this isn't my only podcast on the Young Bucks podcast that I have with Alex. We usually wager some things. So I don't know if you're a gambling man, but I think we need to wager on our record prediction.
0: All right. So what can we come up with? Let's see. We're both in Altoona. Uh, we got some nice restaurants in Altoona. How, how about we do a little uh, gentleman's wager at a, at a, an, an undisclosed restaurant. Well, you and I can determine it uh, ourselves. We'll, we'll, we'll do a little, we'll do a little quick dinner here. How about that?
1: Sounds good to me, Corey. As always, we thank you for listening. Tune in each and every week to see where we're going to eat dinner next. <laughs> uh, when we win, depending on who wins, hopefully it's me. There's nothing I like more than free food, as I'm sure if you saw my body type, you would understand. But for Corey Geiger, this has been Jared Pergar on the We Are Podcast on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. Thank you, as always, for listening. And we'll catch you next week following the game against Wisconsin.